This is episode number 29 with former prisoner turned TED speaker and entrepreneur, Yolanda Perkins. Welcome to Growth Mindset University. My name is Jordan Paris, 20-year-old author and host of this show. Each week, we bring you empowering people and messages to help you learn anything and take control of your life while fulfilling your vision of success. Thank you so much for spending some time with me today, and school is now in session. Welcome, my friends, to the University of Life. My guest today was set to graduate from the University of Central Florida with a degree in criminal justice when she was charged for possession of stolen mail, a white-collar offense, and sentenced to three years in prison. She stole credit cards from the mail room that she worked at to please her boyfriend at the time because she sensed that her boyfriend was leaving her and my guest wanted to please her boyfriend by buying him all sorts of things with money that she didn't necessarily have so she stole the credit cards she served two years in prison and during those two years she had some interesting mindset shifts she reframed her whole mindset and in doing so she uncovered the roots of her toxic relationship which were low confidence low self-esteem and quite frankly she was a people pleaser and her message about unhealthy relationships is so relevant today with social media there's so many unhealthy relationships out there that i see as a 20 year old university student and it just confuses me as to why people stay in these relationships but we dug deep into these unhealthy relationships today and how if you're in one you can get out of one correct the course and make sure your next relationship is super healthy we also talked about how adversity is an opportunity in your life that you can take advantage of and at the very end she had a really really awesome answer the best answer i've ever heard to my favorite question the one i always ask people last what does life beautifully designed look like to you so stick around to hear that and without further ado here is yolanda perkins she's such a beautiful soul she's amazing and genuine and i know you're going to feel that throughout this interview enjoy welcome to the show growth mindset university yolanda it's a pleasure to be in your space after we would connected on on LinkedIn. Yeah, I reached out to you. It's a pleasure. With everything you do and everything you've been through, I always start with why. I want to know why you do what you do. What is your purpose, your cause, your your belief, higher purpose for why you do what you do? Yeah, so there's, you know, listen, Jordan, I have a whole bunch of answers for that, you know. So, but I do what I do because, one, I've all, I, I, I was told once that I wouldn't be able to do certain things because of some decisions that I had made. And then I also do what I do because I want others to know that 
your past or decisions that you make do not define you. Right. And so I do what I do so that I can uh, show people that through trial and error and a lot of bumps and hiccups that you eventually get through it. And, 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 and so that's, that's why I do what I do. Right. And what it is that I do. So you're <laughs> better, than your, better than your worst action. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so how'd you get on the TED stage? So it's amazing. Uh, the TED talk stage uh, was an, a, an amazing experience, one that I am forever grateful. And I'll say that, you know, just like anybody else that wants to do a, a TEDx talk or talk on the TED stage, yeah, right? Um, you know, I looked into it and I, I went for it. I, 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 the, the story behind the TED talk uh, day or the story that led up to me doing a TED talk, um, you wouldn't believe that leading up to that moment, I actually waited until the last moment to apply. And it just so happened that it worked in my favor. But, you know, I, you know, applied for it and uh, was, you know, uh, received the letter that says, yeah, yeah, we would love to um, offer you this opportunity. And then I wrote up my speech or wrote up my talk only to be told that it, it did not sound right. Really? Yeah. And, and, and what happened was, Jordan, what happened was because of my choices and decisions that I made that ultimately led me to go to federal prison for three years, I wanted to do my best to hide that mm -hmm. in my TED Talk. And what I was told was that we picked you because of your experience. And we picked you because it's different. And the paper that you were presenting to us was not what you had shared with us over the phone. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it was a moment where I had to say, okay, either I'm going to go forward with it and be truthfully about my past on the stage and get rid of a, a third person write up, or I was just going to just, just be very, or not do it at all. And so uh, I, you know, redid my, my, my talk and, um, and I was very, uh, very transparent yes. about, about me and my past. Right on. So that's how I landed a TED Talk. <laughs> mm -hmm. You so who was it? Who do you deliver the sort of like rough draft to the proposal? So to, that, that rejected the, the rejected the organizer. The, yeah, so the organizer. organizer received my my draft, and she's just like, okay, our interview over the phone was amazing with you, but what you submitted as a rough draft does not equal up. And so, you know, we have to figure out a way that either you're going to, we, we want that part that you talked about prison. We want that part in there. And if you're not going to bring that part in here, then we don't necessarily need you. Mm. Because then, you know. Were you, were you afraid of people judging you? Of course. I, you know, I, I'll say this, Jordan. I knew at that point that I was the only TEDx presenter that had been to prison that have been incarcerated. And like, so- Like at that event or ever? At that event okay. that was presenting. Yeah. And so, of course I got a little nervous and I did my best to try to say, you know, these are, you know, people make decisions and they're not the best, but I didn't necessarily say, you know, I made these decisions and I went to prison, you know. So, of course I, you know, I was nervous um, to be very open, um, but, but I, I knew that it was a great opportunity to, 
um, inspire and potentially challenge others' mindsets about uh, formerly incarcerated individuals. Mm. And I utilize that platform to do so. Right. So we'll get into your adversity there. What was the lead up to that? So here's the deal. Um, just like any other college student, um, well, not just like any other college student, this is, this is the thing. When I graduated from high school, I, came, I come from a very small town. So when I graduated from high school, I, I was dealing with an issue of low self-esteem that I did not know that I was dealing with. And that was not exposed until I got away from home. And so the decisions and the choices that led me to my incarceration was stealing mail. And so as a result of stealing mail, stealing credit cards, I was charged with a white collar crime. And, and, and my consequences landed me in prison for three years. It's not something that I'm proud of, um, of course. And it's been a few years now. However, I have to just, you know, as with anything, I can either focus all my energy on people that don't like me and judge me, right? Who I probably don't know. Or I can focus my energy and attention on those that have been supportive. And that's what I choose to do. And so, of course, my parents did not send me to college to get in trouble. No, no one parents in, in their rightfully mind send you off to college or send you off to school or send you to you know places to engage in illegal activity or criminal activity. No, you know, just like I'm sure your family, my family, they, they all anticipate and expect us to go to school, do what we're supposed to do, and, and you know, and, and carry on with our life and live a productive life, right? Well, that didn't happen with me. And 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 while both of my parents, you know, you know, instilled great values, I came from a great environment, you know, I went off to school and I'm I'm an example of what can happen even if you still come from a great background mm -hmm. and you have a good solid solid family values, things Not happen. Exempt. No, no one's exempt. And I always say that you're always one decision away from going to jail or prison. We all are. And so, you know, but leading up to that, I dealt with the issue of low self-esteem. Did I know that I was dealing with low self-esteem? Absolutely not. I didn't know. Because let's be very, very real. In my community, in my environment, in most African-American homes, black families, we didn't talk about low self-esteem. That is something that you didn't talk about. And then you, don't, you didn't talk about it because you didn't know it exists. And you just... It's just all because it just that's just what happened, right? Mm -hmm. So I didn't talk about it because I didn't know it exists. <laughs> I didn't realize that there was an issue until after the fact, until after I had done what I did. And then when it was asked, Yolanda, why did you do this? Oh, I just wanted to please a guy. Please a guy, why? I just wanted him to like me. You wanted this guy to like you, so you did this? Yeah. Mm -hmm. What did you get with the stuff that you were stealing? Nothing. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to please someone. So this was your, this was your boyfriend, and mm -hmm. what I got from it... Uh, to correct me if I'm wrong, it was sort of a toxic relationship where you kind of sensed you weren't like, you felt as if you were enough, and so you were stealing the credit cards. Exactly. To buy to him stuff, stuff, to, to please him, him. To please him, to make him acceptance. say, um, you know, for him to, oh, she's buying this, so I really, really like her, so I'm going to focus all my attention on Yolanda. 
Uh, but you know what happened? That didn't happen. It didn't just happen like that. He didn't just keep focusing on Yolanda. He continued to do what he did. And I'm very grateful that I was approached by investigators, that I was stopped. You know, I was actually talking about this with my husband um, a couple days ago. I was like, you know, I'm so glad that things happened the way they did. You know, social media wasn't around as heavy as it is now. Right. I can't imagine if I was already dealing with low self-esteem. Can you imagine oh. the amount of pressure that I would get if they'd be blasting all this stuff on social media? Every time I went to court, there was like a large presence of reporters there and stuff. And it was just humiliating. It was horrible. It was embarrassing, not only to me, to my family, to people that were connected to me, but just, just everything. My entire life changed. It, it changed. And But I'm grateful. I'm grateful. And so, you know, now I can talk about it without an issue. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, you know, I was just, you know, I was uh, expelled from the university. Uh, you know, I was told I was never allowed to come back. You know, um, it, you know, kicked off from my job or fired from my job that I had, you know, because of my actions, because of the decisions that I made. And so for me, um, yeah, yeah. It wasn't the character of someone that came from my background because I didn't have to do the things that I did, but I did. Mm. And so for me, when I thought my life was over, that's why I felt at that moment in time that my life was over. Because listen, Jordan, be very honest. No one grows up with intentions and ideas and dreams of goals of going to prison. No, no one does that. <laughs> we, you know, you hear kids and you ask them, what do you want to do in grow? I want to be a police officer. I want to be a firefighter. I want to do this. I want to do that. You know, I want to play basketball. I want to play football. You hear all that. You don't hear anyone saying I want to go to prison, do you? No. No. So I didn't have plans and ideas no. and dreams to want to go to prison. That's not what I wanted to do. Mm. It happened. And so, you know, life deals you with a deck of cards and you got to play the best game that you can. Mm. So a couple things I want to hit on there. Yes. One first, on this college campus that we're actually on right now, or FGCU, where yes. we both where we both graduated yes. from, or I didn't graduate, but we both went you here. Will. <laughs> I will, <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> anyway, um, so many toxic relationships going on. Yes. So so many unhealthy relationships. It's just really um, the word not frustrating, but just weird, confusing to see just what's going on and. And, uh, there's, and then there's these, there are people that need to be, that have the need to always be in a relationship. They go from relationship to relationship to relationship. And they just can't live on their own. They can't be around themselves. If you can't, be, if you can't enjoy being around yourself by yourself, why, how, how would other people, how can you expect other people to enjoy being around you? And I feel like a lot of people are falling into that trap. And worse, they're getting married and engaged to these, to their partners in these toxic relationships, and and then they get divorced within a couple of years, and that's why the marriage rate or the, the divorce rate is fifty three percent. That's the last I heard. Now, this is what's going on. It's a cycle, and and people are so like addicted, just caught up, caught up in like the physical almost, right? Uh, what is where do these toxic, how do you, if you're in a toxic relationship, how do you, how do you write the course? How do you, how do you get out of it? Because it's so hard. It's so hard. And, and I've, the only relationships I've been in have been horribly unhealthy. These sick games of, of who cares less, especially with social media now. Right. It's, it's and, and texting and red receipts. 
It's who cares less. And whoever cares less wins the game. So that's why I haven't been in a relationship in a very very long time. It's been, not a very long time, but it's been a good seven months. It's hard. Yeah, it's not not that long. Um, But it's just... How do you how do you prevent the toxic relationships? How do you get out of one? It's just talk to me about toxic relationships. So, what are you just talking about? You know, toxic toxic relationships is serious, and um, I, I I think on campuses, you know, we're here at the campus of FGCU. I I honestly believe one of the best things or one of uh, a possibility would be to, um, and I'm not sure because I haven't been here and I haven't looked to see what type of what type of um, um, organizations or courses that are offered. But I, I, I think that the first thing, and, and, and this is not an answer for all, um, I think maybe the person having to realize and recognize that it's even toxic, but or that they are toxic, or that the relationship itself is toxic. But how do you even, I guess the question is, how do you even even identify that you're toxic when you don't know that you're toxic? They don't know, like, what... There's a better. They're just so used to the toxicity that right. there's that's that's it. That's yes. what it is. Yeah, they're tunnel vision based on just that. Mm. And you know, you know, I'm not an expert, Jordan, and I I don't put myself out there to be an expert. What I know is what happened for me is that I went to prison, and while I was incarcerated, um, I was incarcerated first at the Federal Correctional Institution in Tallahassee, amongst thousands of other women who I did not know and realizing that half of them or more than half maybe 80 to 70 maybe 75 to 80 percent of them were all there because of a man and so you know what I had to do was I had to it is it is very it's very 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 alarming and but it's reality it's real and you know I never imagined that I would be there. I never imagined that I would be inmate 25379-018. Never, right? But I was there, and I had to deal with the issue at hand. And so one of the things that I had to do first was I had to stop. And I had to recognize that I was the issue, and I had to take full responsibility uh. of my actions not, oh, well, it's me. Oh, why is it always happening to me? No, listen, I was a mature young adult. I had all my right mind. I was in my right mind when I left to go off to college. So what I did, I didn't have to do. But what I had to do while I was incarcerated is I had to deal with the issue at hand. And one of the things I did was I had to recognize that, you know, I own up to what I did. And, yeah, I did what I did. Was it, the, was it right? No. And my mom has always told me that when you make your bed hard, you lie in it. So although I was wrong, I didn't have a parent or I didn't have parents that were, uh, you know, enabling me. That, you know, knew that I was wrong, but they, you know, turned their heads. No, you did what you did. You have to pay the consequences. We don't want our daughter to go to prison. But you did wrong and here are the actions. Here are the consequences to those actions. So I had to own up to my mistakes. Is that what I did? I had to accept full responsibility what I, for what I did and my actions when I did. And while incarcerated, there was, and let me share with you because it will hopefully help answer potentially or provide a solution to toxic relationships or toxic individuals that seek out attention and need surrounding everywhere they go. While I was incarcerated, when I first got to Tallahassee, there was a lady there 
Because I have been crying and crying and crying and crying and crying and crying. Because I was scared. It's a new environment. It's a new, it's just new. It was new. Everything was new. And one of the things that she she said to me was, why are you crying? Yeah, why are you doing all this crying? And I was like, because I'm in prison. I got three years. And I just thought my life was over, you know. And she says, how many hours are in a day? And I was like, 24. <laughs> And she says, 24, right? And I said, yes. She says, when you are sentenced to 24 years to life in federal prison, then you cry. And I had a aha moment <laughs> at, that, at that time. It was like, wow. This is just a time out. And I realized then that I just had three years and it could have been worse. Because I was facing more time, but I pled guilty and I ended up with three years. And I looked at how old I was, and I said, wow, in three years, I'll just be, just, you know, I'll just be 26. Mm -hmm. You know, my life will still go on. And I kept hearing that. So the one thing is that I, you know, whether you are incarcerated or not, you just have to find some positive, great support, a group of people that will not feed into your toxic. And for me, one of the things that I I did not knowingly was that I had someone there that saw some great potential in a young girl that just made a stupid mistake, but she saw enough to know that this girl's gonna go on out. She really shouldn't be here, but she is. So she needs to understand that her life is not over. And so although I at the moment did not believe in that, did not see beyond where I was at, someone else did. And so being in a toxic relationship sometimes it's important that we are surrounded by individuals that can see the positivity in us beyond, beyond our immediate situation. And at that moment for me, someone saw enough in me and someone looked beyond my mistakes, regardless if she was an inmate or not, she looked beyond my mistakes and she said, girl, you, you, you're gonna be here for three years, that's it. And so, and, and, and then time went on and I continued to say that and I started going to the mirror in the bathroom. You're only gonna be here for three years. You're only going to be here for three years. You know, you're only going to be here for three years. You're only going to be here for three years. And so I had to begin to speak to myself, which after a while, in the beginning, it was a little uncomfortable because, you know, people are looking like, she's in there talking to herself. She's crazy. What's going on? But that's what I had to do. I had to nothing but time. Yeah. So I used that time to work on me. I didn't have to surround myself around a bunch of other people. And in fact, while I was incarcerated, I would go to, to the cafeteria to eat by myself. I walked a track by myself. It became a routine to do things by myself. And I created this habit. I created this, I created this, 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 this consistency of a habit that I didn't need a group of people. I didn't need a group of friends to surround me. I didn't need to be yeah. in a relationship. And, but it didn't happen in one day. Yeah. It happened over a period of time. And so I would just add, for anyone that's in a toxic, relation, toxic relationship, is to identify who's your circle. Because a true friend would not allow toxic around them. And so, and I think once you come to a place that you realize, I'm part of the problem. Mm -hmm. I am toxic. Right. And then you, re, you, know, you have to, you know, re, you know, re, you know, look at yourself, look at yourself, you know, and just be very open and honest. Those are my, um, 
scholarly, unscholarly opinion. Yeah. So, <laughs> one, take full responsibility. Absolutely. Two, take a time out. Absolutely. Three, in that time out, become self-sufficient. Yes. Be able to enjoy your own presence. Yes. And then four, that's when you enter back in. That's when you get back in. And you roll with the punches. Mm-hmm. And those rolling with the punches, Jordan, meaning people are going to not accept you because of what you did. People are going to taunt and make comments and all of that. And that's where your tunnel vision becomes positive. And that's where your circle of influence and your friendships are important because they will help you stay balanced and connected. Mm-hmm. Selective ignorance. Yes. Yeah. Block out something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, 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 a very, it's very good. Yeah. So you reframed yourself. You talk about reframing yourself in, in prison. My entire mindset. Yeah, in that time out, right? You reframed your entire mindset. Obviously, I'm huge on mindset. Um, what, what are the sort of shifts that took place there? The, your values, your principles. What changed? Changed. You know, I've always, I've always, Jordan, I've always been a really great girl. I've always been um, so positive. And what I had to realize, and I'll tell you what changed for me. So I'm in prison, <laughs> and I have a visit. And my brother, who lives in Tallahassee, was visiting me every visitation. Okay, I don't know what the visitation hours and times are now in Tallahassee. But when I was there, the visitations were Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday from 8 to 5. And so for basically four days out the week from 8 to 5, my brother came. And I honestly believe that my mother made him work third shift or told him to get a third shift job so that he would be there in the daytime to be at my visits because my family was almost eight hours away. And my brother came and visited me every visitation, Friday, mm. Saturday, Sunday, and Monday from 8 to 5, right? In this particular visit, I was leaving from visit, and I get back in the room, in the unit, and one of the ladies come to me and says, so my brother saw you, and he's like, what's up? So I'm like, um, hmm? She's like, yeah. My brother was like, who is that? You know, and I'm like, who is your brother? I'm thinking he's an officer. Like, are you serious? No. She said he was visiting me at visit. I was like, oh, yeah, I did see you with your family. And she was like, yeah, he wants to holler. Holler at who? <laughs> Jordan, I'm in prison. Who he wants to holler at? Let's be very clear. How long you been in prison at that point? At that point, I was in prison for maybe right at nine months. Uh, he wants and to so, holler. And he wants to holler. So I'm like, holler at who? What? I'm, I'm an inmate. And she was like, yeah, he want to get your, you know, he want to get your address so you can write. Write who? <laughs> who does he want to write? And she's like, he, want, he wants to holler at you. And he was asking me if I knew you. I was like, yeah, that's Lil Mama. Because that was my nickname in prison was Lil Mama. And so, you know, I was just like, but I'm in prison. And she was like, yeah, he doesn't care. You're not going to be here forever. He's getting ready to go. He, he's in college and he's back home. And he's visiting me. And then he's going to go off. He doesn't graduate for like another three years. And I was like. Uh, so at that moment, and nothing happened beyond that because I wasn't interested because, one, I'm in prison. But my mindset shifted then. That was like the turning point for me. 
because I had been dealing with my low self-esteem. You know, I had been, you know, stating these I am powerful, you know, these words of what I can do. And then I was faced at a moment with someone seeing beyond me in a brown or khaki suit and seeing a pretty girl is what I was told. And I was just like, I'm in prison and if he sees that. So what that did was not only did it shift my mindset, it boosted my confidence. Because a lot of women in prison have a lot of low confidence. We're taken away from our families, whether we did something knowingly or unknowingly. We're away from our family and friends. Some of them are really far away. Some of them are moms. And so, you know, their whole lives have changed for rather a short period of time or a very, very long period of time. And so sometimes your confidence can get caught up and be disrupted. Hmm. For me, the shift for everything changed. When someone saw me and thought how pretty I was and wanted to connect with me and holler at me while I was in prison, that's where my shift happened. And I knew then that I was one bad sister. then that if I could have someone want to holler at me when I was in prison that I knew when I got out that I was going to be a force to be reckoned with. Mm. And it also showed me that I didn't need to do anything for anyone for them to like me. Yeah. Great. That's how mine shifted. Are you grateful for the opportunity to have gone to prison? I'm very grateful. Why? I'm grateful, Jordan, for multiple reasons. Prison, I'll share this. I remember when I was on campus at UCF, I was taking a criminal justice course, white collar crime. And there was a discussion in our class about formerly incarcerated individuals and felons. And the teacher brought up a conversation and he asked, why is it so hard for convicted felons to get a job? And I said, because they're lazy. Mm -hmm. And a couple of us went on, we were very immature. Mm -hmm. So, so tuned out to what really was happening because I was not part of it or I was not a convicted felon. So I could have gotten a job anywhere up until I went to prison. And so I'm grateful um, for the things that has happened to me in my life and especially for going to prison because I have a huge, um, I have a huge appreciation for time. I don't like to waste it. I do not like to be told what I can't do. I value a lot of time with my family. I explore and travel. Mm -hmm. And I'm appreciative because had I not been in prison, I would not have seen the real significance and impact of a lot of women that are incarcerated who have no education. And what I mean by that is the prison population at the time when I was incarcerated, 
I would say about 70% or more did not have a high school diploma or GED. And that is huge. And these are not just women from Florida. These are women from all over the world that have federal charges. A lot of them dropped out of school in elementary or maybe middle school. Mm. Um, I, I remember the first time I seen a, 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 someone with a tattoo on their neck was in prison and I just had never been around nothing like that. I had never seen it. I was not exposed to that. And, and I, I remember saying like, where would you work with that on your neck like that? And she says, oh, I, you know, I sold drugs. So I, you know, she had her own job. You know, that was her job. Um, another thing that I'm very grateful for, Jordan, is that I've met so many amazing, smart women. Hmm. Women that have taught me so much about life how to look at things. I struggled with math and I just got better at it in, co in, in prison. And so that when I went back to college, I did great. Mm. So many amazing sharp. opportunities. I learned about the LSAT. I had made mention that I wanted to take the LSAT. Um, so there were a couple of lawyers who would team up and we would get index cards and we would go over the LSAT. So many amazing opportunities, and I learned so much. I stopped being judgmental, because I was. Because I never thought that I would be one of the ones having been faced with a challenge as a convicted felon when I got out of prison. Mm -hmm. Another grateful thing is because I had the opportunity to be an exchange student when I was in high school to go to Argentina. And I loved speaking Spanish, and it came natural. And then I go to prison, and while I'm incarcerated at the Correctional Institution in Tallahassee, it was like a 50-50% of the women were, were, were Spanish-speaking that did not speak English. And then you had a lot of Creole-speaking women. And I chose to surround myself around a lot of the women that spoke Spanish, and I polished my Spanish-speaking mm. game. And so I'm very grateful for those moments. I'm very grateful for the things that I saw, although I didn't want to see them. I'm very grateful for things. I learned how to be, um, I tell you, when I mistakenly locked, I don't know if my daughter did or my son did, it locked me in the garage and I had to get out and the kids were with me. And I called my husband and I was like, I'm locked in the garage, it's hot. And he was like, you know, get out. What would you do? How would you get out? And so, um, and I did, I was able to break in my own house to get out of the garage. My kids were hot. And, you know, just other moments I've used that aggressiveness that, you know, I had to do and learn while I was in prison to survive. I use that in my business. I use that mindset, you know, how if I feel stuck in a certain way. How am I going to bounce back from this? And I have been able to call on some of these amazing women that I was incarcerated with who are amazing with mindsets who has been able to help me when I'm in a direction and I'm not sure how to go with a, a, a business or something or, or with my with my my business my current business. So, so yes, I'm very grateful to answer your question. Very grateful. Clearly you found meaning absolutely in your adversity. Absolutely. Yeah, it's super important to find meaning, attach a meaning to everything. That book, I don't know if you've read it, Man's Search for Meaning. One of my favorite books, one of the Holocaust survivors. Okay. Yeah, um, so he wrote. I, what got him through was finding a meaning to get through. Absolutely. So very similar there. 
Would you say that your adversity was needed, was necessary for you to be who you are right now? Would you, this is, this is an interesting question. I'm coming up with this on the spot right now. Okay. If you could do it over again, if you, if, would you like, would you go to, would you want to go to prison again? Like, would, like, is that something that was so advantageous to you that you would, that you would do it? again in, in another life? It might sound like a weird question, but... No. You know what? I, you know, if, if... I'll say this. And that does sound weird. I'll say this. <laughs> I've been to prison once, so I know how to survive the next time. I don't anticipate on going to prison. No. Not this life. <laughs> no, no. But I, you know... Jordan, there, there are a lot of people in this country, in this world in this area, in this environment, in this society, who are walking around with a um, one uh, view mindset that nothing can happen to them. Oh, yeah. There will be people listening to our podcast today that will have all kinds of judgments and comments about shoulda, woulda, coulda. And I'll say this. I'm very grateful for the opportunity that has come as a result of my bad choices because I have taken my adversity and I've used it to create an opportunity. And that is my slogan. I don't wish prison on anyone, not even an enemy that I don't even know I have. To be taken away from your family, to be placed in an environment that was not conducive had I not had a strong mindset, could have very well went the total opposite for me. Do I believe that some people need to be isolated due to some decisions that they've made or type of crimes? Absolutely. I definitely think that the criminal justice system has some reworking to do. Certainly. And I don't believe that incarcerating people for low-level offenses who can be very productive in society adds any value to anything. But I am grateful that I have been. I'm grateful for the experiences because I look at things so different now. I used to ask, why me? Why me? Why me? Now I'm so grateful for it being me. Because when I started to share my story a few years ago, I didn't realize how many other parents who had kids that were struggling with self-esteem issues. And so it's a huge task that I have taken on, not voluntarily, but I embrace it. But I don't wish to go back to, to prison. I can't imagine being in prison with kids. I have two small kids and my family and I are very close. And I can only imagine, I can't imagine my daughter wanting me and I can't hug her. I can't imagine my son wanting to give me a kiss and I can't kiss him. So um, I can't imagine not sitting at the pool or sitting out in the pool with my husband. I can't imagine those things not happening. I can't imagine those things, um, them coming to see me in khakis or green outfits. Um, so I'm very grateful for the experience. I hate with a passion that I had to experience it. I hate for those memories that I am stuck with. Um, I hate to hear a bunch of keys 
because of the security uh, of the guards walking for count time. I hate, um, you know, being told what to do. I hate it. <laughs> and so I don't take, uh, I don't do well with uh, heavy, heavy instruction. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm grateful. I'm grateful for second and third chances. I'm grateful for the boss that gave me the opportunity to work. I'm just grateful for life. Yeah, me too. <laughs> amen. <laughs> amen. Yeah, amen. <laughs> so you found meaning. You rose above. You, after like a couple hundred applications, you got a job. Now you're an entrepreneur. What's next for you right now? What's your focus in the next few months, weeks, years? My next focus is, my current focus is to create a swim clinic uh, specifically geared towards minorities in uh, underserved, low-income communities to get them into swimming and learning how to swim. And for my brand, Swimming Caps, to continue to to build and grow, to continue to elevate it um, with the potential and possibility of going into retail stores. And just for me, just continue to share my story. Uh, continue to surround myself around positive people like you and to support people like you with what you're doing to, 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 to highlight and bring attention to uh, these causes. Right on. So how can we stay connected with you? Yeah, so yeah. there's a lot of ways you can stay connected. I am always on social media. And that's my Instagram, which is Yolanda Florna Perkins. I'm on Facebook. And I have a website, YolandaPerkins.com. I have an email address, which is hi at YolandaPerkins.com. Nice. <laughs> I need that one. Hi at JordanPassOff.com. I need that one. Hey. There's a lot of ways you can stay connected to me. And I'm, I'm very present, very, very present in the community on social media. I utilize those the free tools, the social media tools. I, I am thankful for this opportunity to use your platform to be able to share about who I am and what I did and why I did it and where I'm at now, where I plan to go. So I appreciate it. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> so before I ask my final question, yes. I want to acknowledge you for rising above circumstance and finding meaning and trusting the process of your adversity. Trusting the process is so key. It was actually one of my recent podcast episodes about trusting the process. You may be being faithful right now and you're not seeing results. You may be doing a good day's work. It's coming. It's coming. Your your day is coming. Your time is coming. Your time. You trusted the process. You've had good times now. You trusted the process and you came out on the other side of your adversity and you're continuing to advance your cause. And I love that so much. Thank you. Yeah. Thank so... You. What does life beautifully designed look like to you? Because I'm all about by I'm all about living by design, not just making a living, but designing a life. What does life beautifully designed look like to you? Life beautifully designed for me is just that being in an environment where I can constantly feed positivity and where it it can be reciprocated back to me. A life beautifully designed. Is knowing that I have done my part in making a difference in someone's life. And I always say, always say, I don't have to inspire hundreds and thousands of people. 
But if I can just get one. I was saying that too. Just one, Jordan, that says, Yolanda, I heard you speak and my mindset changed. At that point, mm. I have done my due diligence. Oh man, I haven't heard too many people say it like that before because everyone everyone says I want to impact a million people, a billion people. And and I'm not being harsh, but sometimes it's just not realistic and you're setting yourself up to be quite miserable. I actually write about it in my book, chapter 12, Live Impactfully. To make an impact, the principle is to make an impact, you have to define impact, then make it happen. And and using good metrics to define it, not a million or a billion. I mean, good on you if you do it. Right. But you're setting yourself, a lot of people are setting their, themselves up for misery. So mine as well, and I this is, I haven't encountered many people who, who shared this with me, but I write in my book, one, just, right, one. just one. If one person reads this, and I've, all, and I've done it. I've done it, yes. you know, and now, and it, rock. and it feels good. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You and I, rock. we both feel good. Yes. Oh, yeah. Bye-bye. Yeah. Yolanda <laughs> Perkins, thank you for coming yes. on the show. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. That I was, appreciate you. That was awesome, Yolanda. Yeah, you're awesome. <laughs> you're awesome, too. Yeah. There you have it, my new friend, Yolanda Perkins. And to heal a toxic relationship and get back on the right track, one, take full responsibility, two, take a timeout, three, become self-sufficient, and four, get back in the game and roll with the punches. And remember, adversity equals opportunity. When you have the mindset that adversity equals opportunity, there is no glass ceiling you cannot break i promise you that and to make an impact you have to define impact and yolanda does that so well i'm so glad i got to talk with her i'm so glad i reached out to her and connected with her because i've made a new friend now and i don't want to jinx it yet but she's trying to hook me up with a ted talk right now and i'm super super excited about that and i'm super excited to deliver that value to you guys i've got an awesome message that I want to share and that I know the world needs to hear. And if you're ready to take your life to the next level, you can get my book on Amazon, Growth Mindset University. If you search that in Amazon, you can get a book that's going to teach you not just how to make a living, but how to creatively and effectively design a life of maximum joy and fulfillment. And if you got anything of value out of this episode today, don't just keep it to yourself. Be what I call a grow giver. Hashtag grow giver. You can tweet that out. Share this episode with your closest friends, family, and network with the link jordanparishealth.com slash EP29. And if you've enjoyed this episode and you haven't subscribed yet, maybe you're new here go ahead and make sure you subscribe wherever you are listening. Now, last but not least, if you think this is a healthy message for the world to hear, go ahead and leave us an honest review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening today. I love you all so very much. And until next time, make every day count, live to learn, and grow to give.